Welcome to Counsel the Word, a podcast of the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. I'm your host, Keith Palmer, and today we're going to be talking about counseling from the Psalms. Well, for many believers, the book of Psalms is uh, just a great source of encouragement and blessing, especially in times that are hard and difficult. And uh, I'm very grateful today to have with, have with me in the studio uh, my good friend, Brent Osterberg. Uh, Brent is the pastor of Living Hope Bible Church in Mansfield, Texas, uh, right here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And he's also a, a contributor to uh, the Center of Biblical Counseling and Discipleship, our, our podcasts as we're doing now, our online content and our training events. So uh, Brent, it's so grateful to have you joining us uh, today. As always, brother, it's a blessing. Thanks for having me on. And uh, I'm kind of chuckling here because just out of habit, I said in the studio, but uh, right now we're actually meeting over technology, kind of trying something new here in the wake of the coronavirus. So uh, uh, we're doing that new. We're learning how to do church and shepherding the flock uh, in a unique set of circumstances. Uh, but I can't think of a better context uh, in which to talk about counseling from the Psalms. I agree. Uh, it's There's a lot of very practical content for us here uh, in our new season of ministry and life. When we think about counseling the Psalms, maybe we can just start by thinking about uh, this question. What are some of the unique facets of the book of Psalms, just as they relate to the type of Bible book that uh, that it is? Well, I've mentioned a book previously on the podcast that I've enjoyed very much, which is Grasping God's Word by Scott Duvall and Daniel Hayes. And they use an illustration in their chapter on Old Testament poetry that I think is helpful when we think about the distinction of the Psalms. Um, they talk about a trip that they took to Washington, D.C., to the Smithsonian Institute, and how they spent some time over at the Air Space Museum, but then crossed over later in the day to the National Gallery of Art in the same day. And so they likened that to moving from the New Testament letters, which are technical and logical and orderly, to the art gallery, which is like the Psalms, which are full of word pictures that evoke emotion. And so you can think of it like that. We, we love the letters for one reason. They, they tend to be more orderly and um, perhaps easier for us to follow, especially in our Western mindset. But then the Psalms tend to be illustrative and metaphorical and they use figurative language. And so we have to know that distinction because uh, we run into trouble when we expect the Psalms to be the same kind of literal as the letters of the New Testament. Certainly we are to be interpreting literally from the scriptures, but there's a, it's a different kind of literal when you're dealing with figurative language and metaphors in the Psalms as um, it's different than the letters in that regard, which, which tend to be more straightforward and uh, logical and rational. So uh, that, that's helpful as we think about the, the distinctions be, between the two. And I think there's, there's probably a, a big contrast between those two different kinds of genres in the, uh, in the Bible. I actually found it interesting. I was doing a little research online and found a, a blog post where Tony Ranke from Desiring God quotes John Piper from a sermon of his back in 2008. And 
in that sermon, Piper pulled out 24 different emotions that he found in the Psalms. And so I'll just, I'll just give you a few that he, he, uh, recorded in his sermon. So he found loneliness. Psalm 25, 16 says, I am lonely and afflicted. He, he found awe. Psalm 33, 8 says, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Sorrow. Psalm 31, verse 10 says, my life is spent with sorrow. There's marveling in Psalm 118, verse 23. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Psalm 1, verse 2, delight. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And, and the list goes on and on. It's full of emotional language. And so that's such a big facet of distinction in the Psalms. And uh, I, I appreciated something else that Duval and Hayes say in their book. Christians, as Christians, we're not to be like Spock and suppress our emotions. That's not what uh, we're called to do as Christians. God gave us emotions and we're to make sure that our feelings and our emotions are being expressed in ways that please the Lord. And so the Psalms give us a vocabulary for this. They help us to know how to express our Psalms, or, or, or sorry, how to express uh, our emotions and our feelings in a way that's honored, honoring to God. You've probably heard, Keith, there's that quote that's well known, says there's a Psalm for every sigh of the soul. Mm, yeah. And so um, this is one of the major distinctions. And um, I've felt like this. I can relate to a, a man named Scott Slayton, who was also writing for Desiring God. He said, when I was younger, I wondered why many of the Psalms sounded so whiny. After walking through more years of life, these are the heart cries of people who have dealt with real world pain. <laughs> the older I get, I feel the same way. Now, I don't know about you, but that's so that helps me kind of see just generally speaking how the Psalms may be different than other kinds of genre in the Bible. Yeah, no, that's very helpful. And, and yeah, the, because of the emotion, because of the autobiographical nature of the Psalms, they, they naturally connect with us in our sorrows, in our life challenges, and even in our joys. So, uh, no, that, that's, that's very helpful. So, so let's transition now and think about uh, ministering the Psalms to other people. And maybe this is in a formal counseling context. Maybe it's in a, a less formal discipleship. But how do we counsel the Psalms and how do they help us uh, to encourage people? Yeah, I, I think that the Psalms do help us to glorify God, like I said a moment ago, with our emotions in various circumstances. So let's just think about some of the different uh, life challenges or the, the highs and the lows of life that the Psalms can help us glorify God in. Okay, so Psalm 46 helps us glorify God. When we are tempted to be afraid, it begins, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though its mountains tremble at its swelling. I remember reading a commentary that said that picture in verse 2 there of the mountains and the sea, it's like the mountains and the ocean are switching places. 
if something like that, so, so cataclysmic as that were happening, we still have reason to be courageous and to not fear because God is our refuge and strength. He's always there to help us when we have need. So that's one of the, the ways in which we can glorify God using the Psalms is, is in times when we are tempted to be afraid or when we are tempted to despair. Psalm 42 and actually Psalm 43 as well, but twice it's repeated in Psalm 42. The sons of Korah are writing and we read this in the very last verse. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? So he's asking his soul, why, why are you angst ridden? And now he's going to tell his soul what to do. Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So that's when you're tempted to despair. And then you, you know as well, uh, there's Psalm 73. We can glorify God when we're envious of the wicked, like Asaph in that psalm. Or when we have, are experiencing those times in life where we just are overwhelmed with awe for God. So Psalm 84, for instance, and I'll turn there and just read a couple of verses. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. So when we have that sense of adoration, there's vocabulary for that as well. And when we are thankful, Psalm 136. And so I think it's a comfort to us as counselors or disciplers to be able to turn to the Psalms and help our people um, be able to glorify God, no matter what the circumstance is, no matter how high the mountain, no matter how low the valley. And I think this also communicates the relatability of scripture. God knows us. He, he knows um, all the different emotions that he made us to uh, exhibit and how it is that we can satisfy, be satisfied in him as we express these emotions. And so that's one way, Keith, is just the Psalms help us glorify God in a, in a variety of uh, situations and circumstances. But also, the Psalms teach us to pray. Perhaps you've uh, heard of the book Praying the Bible by Donald Whitney, which is an excellent book. I highly recommend it um, for anybody. It's not a, not a long book, but it teaches you how to take, especially the Psalms, and use them in your prayer lives. So uh, he, he gets into some of the same things in a, a post that he wrote, Donald Whitney, that is. And the post is called Five Benefits of Praying the Psalms. And so some of this... Um, may be familiar to you if you've read that book, but, um, how do the Psalms keep us, keep us focused on God and doing his will and help us to pray? Well, first of all, the Psalms can keep us from wandering in prayer. And that's really any scripture, but I don't know about you, but whenever I sit down to pray, a lot of times, if I don't have anything in front of me, uh, I can, I can waste a lot of time in my prayers. Just, okay. What do I pray for next? Who is it that person? What's going on in that person's life or, what attribute of God do I want to thank him for? What facet of the gospel right now do I want to, I want to adore Christ for? So that the Psalms really keep us fixed on what we can take to the Lord in prayer next. And they keep us from wandering. But they also um, keep, keep us from praying about the same things in the same way. Just repeating the same kinds of prayers over and over again. Each day, whenever we wake up or each, each night when we're going to bed. So it can help us bring God glorifying 
uh, variety to our prayers and praying uh, more widely and deeply about the people and uh, the, the people in our lives and the struggles that we experience. But also, um, they keep us praying the will of God. The scriptures are the revealed will of God. And so if we're using the scriptures and we're interpreting them rightly, as we are using them to pray, then we're praying in God's will. And that, those, are the, those are the prayers he answers, right? And also, they keep our prayers God-centered. Uh, we have a tendency in our our sinful hearts to make prayers about us and to make our prayers man-centered when if we are using the Psalms in prayer, because the Bible has God at the center, because he's the hero of the story, because he's the main character and it's all about him and his magnificence. If we're praying the scriptures, we're praying the Psalms and our prayers are God-centered, not man-centered. And finally, I'd say um, that the Psalms also keep us from doing all the talking. Again, this is this is, comes from Donald Whitney, but they keep us from doing all the talking because we hear from God whenever we're reading the scriptures, we're reading the Psalms, we hear from him speak to us, then we speak back to him. We respond to what we've read. And it's relational in that way. It's, it's conversational in that way. And so um, that's th- those are a couple of things in particular. And if, if we've got a little more time, I, I'd kind of just maybe like to, to show you how that, that looks in terms of using the Psalms for prayer, um, using a stanza from Psalm 119. Yeah, that'd be great. Go for it. Okay, so if we turn to Psalm 119, starting in uh, in verse 65, I'll just kind of read through some of these verses and suggest some ways in which we might use them to pray. Psalm 119, verse 65 says, You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. So you could stop right there and you could start listing to God the ways in which he has dealt well with you. You start listing. Uh, here are the things this week. Lord, that you, where I can, I can definitely say you've dealt well with me in this way. It goes on, teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. That, that's that is a just a prayer. Teach me, teach me good, teach me wisdom, God. I, I need wisdom and good judgment in these different areas of my life. So teach me. And then verse sixty-seven. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. And perhaps you're in the middle of, of a trial and you could say, Lord, use this trial, use this affliction to grant me repentance so that I turn from going astray and turn back to your word, keeping your will. Next verse in verse 68, you are good and do good. You could, again, you could, you could express in a detailed way the ways in which God is good and the ways in which he, he does good in your life and in the lives of others or, or the good that you see and in people that you know well or reports from the mission field that you've heard about. You, you've done good in these ways, God. Praise your name. And then we, we read further in the stanza, it was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. You pray, God, in my trial right now, may I not shake my fist at you, may I not be bitter, but my eye like the psalmist who says it was for me. It was good for me that I was afflicted. And that could be a way for you to thank the Lord. So that's just a suggestion of how we would 
maybe use for our disciples the, the scriptures to help them have a a more varied prayer life, God-centered prayer life, um, a more focused prayer life, a, a prayer life that is praying in the will of God. And also it helps us to know how to express our emotions biblically um, so that we're not losing control of our emotions, but they're reined in according to what God has revealed in scripture. Well, this is very helpful, Brent. Um, do you find that in your pastoral and counseling ministry, you have some sort of favorite psalms or psalms that you find yourself turning to to minister to people in your congregation and in the community? If so, would would you be willing to share with us uh, what are some of those favorite psalms that uh, that you minister to others? Thank you. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I love uh, Psalm 51 because it gives language to our repentance. Uh, John MacArthur says uh, that's the real Lord's prayer right there. <laughs> I'm sorry, the real sinner's prayer, not, not the Lord's prayer, but that's the real sinner's prayer um, is that prayer of repentance from, from David there in the wake of his sin with Bathsheba and after being confronted with, by, uh, confronted by Nathan, the prophet. So I would say that gives uh, a vocabulary to our repentance. How do we ask God for, for for repentance or how do we ask him to uh, change us? How do we ask for him to make us new and to bring us to a place where we're pleasing to him yet again? So Psalm 51 is, is great for that reason. Um, I would also um, say Psalm 23, which is well known, but last, even last night and in, in the midst of this coronavirus uh, crisis, as I was talking to our small group, we were using technology to do that, but I reminded them of verse 6 of Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's true for us in Christ. That's true because of Jesus Christ that, that goodness and mercy are ours every day, just like Lamentations 3 says, right? Uh, his mercies are new every morning. That's for us every day. And we'll, we will dwell with the Lord forever on our worst day. That's true for us. Even if we were to get, contract this virus, that would be true of us. And so what an encouragement. Uh, I, I have others as well. I'm trying to think here. I love Psalm 32, which I've used for people in the, in the past. Psalm 32 is that psalm that talks about the necessity really to, to confess our sins. And David praying says, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long for day and night. Your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. And then he says in verse five, I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. What uh, what a sweet and helpful um, text, especially if we're trying to help people see um, how important it is for them to confess their sins to the Lord. I I also um, love Psalm 121. I use this with my kids a lot, Keith, um, because my my kiddos sometimes have um, trouble going to sleep. They're fearful of going to sleep at night, and so I remember. Psalm 121, verses 4 and 5. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. 
and goes on. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. Now, uh, the part that I really focus on with them is that God doesn't sleep, so you can sleep. Because he's our keeper, because he's our protector, you can go to sleep tonight because he's awake and he's always working for the good of those who love him and trust him. And so you can rest in that promise. So those are, those are some just off the top of my head. I, I love, I love many of the Psalms. It's really one of my favorite books. So, um, those are some and, and really there's also Psalms for lament too. And I'll just maybe rent, mention one more and that's Psalm 13. There, we don't lament enough as a, a Christian community, I think. And so you read this from David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? And it, and it goes on like that. And then there's this contrast in the last two verses of Psalm 13. He says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. And so those are the, the ways in which um, we can lament appropriately. But then we, we have at the end this resolve to trust in God and this resolve to sing, remembering all the ways in which he has dealt with us bountifully, even if life is extremely difficult in the moment. So those those are a few. Well, very helpful, brother. Uh, thanks so much for being with us on the podcast today. And may the Lord continue to bless you in your ministry. And uh, might we uh, find the Psalms a particularly rich resource to care for our own souls and also to minister to those that are hurting. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, buddy. Thank you for listening to Counsel the Word. For more information about Pastor Brent Osterberg and the ministry of Living Hope Bible Church, uh, you can visit them on their website at lhbcmansfield.com. And for more information about the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship, you can visit us on our website at thecbcd.org. Thank you.